0: When it comes to knowing how youth culture is changing, perhaps nobody knows more than the people who spend the most time with our kids. Longtime teachers and educators have watched kids and culture change at breakneck speed. Their insights can be valuable to parents, youth workers, and others who strive to guide and nurture kids through the soup of today's youth culture. Stay with us as we chat with a couple of veteran public school educators about kids, families, and our rapidly changing world on this episode of Youth Culture Matters.
1: From the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, this is Youth Culture Matters. If you're a parent, youth worker, educator, counselor, grandparent, or anyone else who cares about kids, we're glad you've joined us for this practical, informative, and hope-filled podcast. This is a place where together, we talk and think Christianly about the rapidly changing world of today's children, teens, and young adults.
0: Welcome, everybody, to Youth Culture Matters. I'm Walt Mueller here at the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, and Jason Soshinik. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Happy podcast. <laughs> Jason, I am pretty excited yeah. about today because we are going to get a chance to talk to a couple of educators who have been in education for a good long time, uh, just about over 50 years combined, I think, if we, if yeah, we think add it right. all up. And we're going to have a great conversation about changes that these educators are seeing in the world of students uh, from kindergarten right on up through the senior year of high school. These are great conversations to have because great insights for those of us who are moms and dads, those of us who are grandparents, those of us who are youth workers, to know what kids are facing and how to begin to respond. But before we do that, as always, we're going to talk a little bit about some things that are trending. And Kenton and Chris, what do you guys got today? Oh, we're pointing to Kent, so right. this is going to be good. So, uh, are you ready for this, Jason?
2: I, I'm you're always
0: sure. ready for this. Yeah,
3: yeah, bring it on. We have a we have a fun question today. Can you if,
0: decide like Can you decide who goes first before you even ask the question? Because that'll really <laughs> put us on the spot.
3: Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, you're going to go first on this all one. All right.
0: I was hoping you wouldn't do that <laughs> because I
3: I have a feeling I know your answer on this <laughs> one. I'm pulling back it okay, all right. Um, if you could shop for free. At one store, what store would that be? Wow. Oh,
0: if you could wow. shop for free at one store... Boy, there's a bunch that go through my my head here. What, what do you think I'm going to say, Kenton? You said you thought you know my answer.
3: Well, I just wrote it down, so we'll, uh, we'll see if I get it right. I don't want to give it away to you.
0: Well, the first thing that came to mind is, you know, I love like Lowe's and Home Depot. I love those places. I just could go in there and look at that stuff. I love, I love to walk through the lumber section and smell that lumber. I don't go around sniffing it, but I just love the smell of it. And tools, I think tools are cool, You're and gonna... fixtures. <laughs> I just. You, I've often anyone said anyone that
2: lives in your community that's listening to this podcast right now that works in <laughs> Lowe's and Home Depot they're quitting. Don't pay any attention yeah, to the yeah. man smelling who your who is lumber. that <laughs> sniffing, the lumber. Um, I. You know what
0: I, I, I? I've often said if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I would love to stock shelves at a place like that, and just to help oh, people yeah. because, you know, it's about building, it's about changing things, renewing things. reducing. I'll make it theological, redeeming thing. <laughs> yeah, you it are. Is, You're totally making it theological. Well, well cr- the creative, the, you know, the divine image in all of us, the creativity, yeah. I just think it's great. And yeah. I love that stuff. And, and I, I, here's the other thing about stocking shelves. You didn't ask me where I'd work. But, I mean, just going there to stock shelves, it would be something that when you were done, you'd go, I got something done. Because I always feel like with what I do here at CPYU, it's never done. You know, we're always— onto something new but shopping wise i like that question kent and that's what right. i do Wow! what did you
3: write down Dude, i uh i wrote down costco <laughs> it's kind of your place to go
2: well i i do like that <laughs> christmas tree yeah you shops. know what actually yeah, that's christmas the, tree you, shops right you, kenton you're, you're actually right there are a lot of posts that you put at costco on facebook he does. That, like I, I you, see more Amish posts and oh, more yeah. posts about life the from Amish guys, Costco right. than I do any other location. Interview. I've put life. up
0: some pretty good pictures. Like when you walk in, you know the TVs are right there, and all yeah. the Amish kids are standing around watching reruns yeah. of football games, and you know they see you looking at them, so they move down another aisle, and I'm <laughs> taking pictures of my. I, I, yeah, I'm a. I'm. I'll admit that. You know what my favorite picture from Costco is. I dared Lisa one time to climb into one of the walk-in, into one of the freezers, and she hopped in there. Oh, that's right. Shut, shut the door, and I've got a couple of great pictures of her in the freezer. I mean, she just looks (laughs) devilish if I can say that. I mean, it was we were laughing so hard because it was just this day when we were both punchy and it was declining quickly. And it was the series of, I dare you, I dare you, I dare you. And I said, I dare you to get in that freezer. And I took her picture and she posed for it. It was great. Yeah, it's funny.
2: funny. Yeah. All right, awesome. Jason, how about Costco. You? you know what's funny is I would have chosen Costco. I, 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 the only reason that it's a practical side of me, I, as I started thinking about this question, I was like, well, I might choose a clothing store, but the reality is, what's the best thing that I could choose? It's Costco. Costco has everything it's seasonal. So if I need furniture in the summer, they have furniture in the summer. If I needed, you know, something in the winter, they have that equipment in the winter and then they have food. And I practically, it's not the best place for me to always shop for food or for anything, unless you have a family the size of 10, uh, because I always feel like when I shop for food there, I always have leftovers. I never go through everything. So it's just, Less expensive and better uh, use of our money if we go to the grocery store. But Costco, if you got it for free, wow. Yeah. I mean, there's just you, what you could do with it is unimaginable. I, I, I love it. So, anyways, I would, I would choose Costco. Cool. I like that food part of Costco. That bakery smells awesome. Mm. Oh, I, you know what I love? I love going to Costco on Saturdays.
0: Oh, samples.
3: <laughs> Which smells better, Costco Bakery or the Lowe's Lumber Department?
2: Oh, man. Oh, that's tough. Oh, I, yeah. I, I I would actually say loss right now. Yeah. But if you're asking between Lowe's yeah, some of those some of those Costco and like loads. a donut shop. Oh, mm. I'm totally taking a donut shop. Yeah. Oh man. Or bacon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
0: It always comes back to bacon. You know what I love at Costco? Gasoline. The gasoline <laughs> over there, the smell of the gasoline. For those of you gasoline.
2: that have no idea what we're talking about, you got to go back to earlier podcasts. Oh, yeah. Yes. We
0: talked about the question was about our favorite smells. Was it favorite <laughs> smells or favorite smells for childhood? It favorite smells. Yeah. And favorite I was the one smells. brave enough to say gasoline. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm adding lumber to my list, so that's, that's what <laughs> Good oh, question. I- Chris, Chris, what store for you?
3: Uh, that's a good, I, I really don't know. Um, I thought first practical reasons, perhaps a grocery store just with the family, yeah. and kids eating a lot of food and that kind of stuff. Of course, if I were to pick a grocery store, Wegmans is the only choice. Oh um, uh, boy, here
0: we go. Rochester, New that's, York. <laughs> now we're getting the New yeah, York. Yeah, that's a total but it is a good it is, a good. it is a good, that's a good grocery store, Jason. You gotta check it out. It later. is. I've been there. I like it.
3: Yeah. Uh, I think years ago it would have been, I probably would have fallen into like the Best Buy type yeah. Store category electronics. Electronics, but I kind of I don't. They don't excite me like they used to. So yeah. Um, probably yeah. More practical, but uh, uh, other uh, so Lowe's, Home Depot, those kind of answers came to mind. But the uh, the other wild card I threw out there Is something like a Dick's Sporting Goods. Okay. That kind of all kinda right. Store. Yeah. Sporting Goods store.
0: Yeah. How about Sports Authority? Oh, uh, they're not uh, around anymore
2: yeah, yeah. how like, about the store no, that no like longer radio. exists radio show that is yeah. on its way yeah. out hey
0: radio Shack's <laughs> still in town aren't they they're down there yeah radio shack can't you know what a radio is
3: i know what a radio yeah is. okay good <laughs> you've
0: got a smirk on your face because you're thinking you, i know what you're gonna say do you yeah little caesars <laughs>
3: <laughs> no i you gotta pick somewhere where you're gonna spend a lot of money and i'm just getting a five dollars. yeah pizza well maker. any pizza place right yeah um no i i had a couple running through my mind while i thought about it and i i was either gonna say like a a Sam's Club or a Walmart, just because they have everything there. Yeah. The practical concept, like, like Jason. Yeah, Jason. Knew. But I would also thoroughly enjoy a Best Buy or something like that, um, or even Amazon. Yeah. Because
0: You're a techie guy.
3: I, yeah, you have access to it all, and yeah. sweet, why well, not?
2: Yeah. You know, That actually, this is really intriguing. None of us – all of us did brick and mortar, and Kenton, the youngest, chose – <laughs> Online, Amazon, which is yeah. actually very true. I mean, you can get almost anything there. But okay, yeah, that's, that's a great I thought
0: Kenton might choose Sleepy's Mattress Store.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'd be a good oh, choice man. for you, wouldn't
3: it? It would be a good choice. Except for I'm not, I'm not buying multiple mattresses. Yeah, it's so
0: one not and up done that thing. Early to go, or yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Kent, uh, I got to ask you a question oh real boy. quick while we're while we're sitting here talking. Uh, let's give a shout out to your mom. She listens to all the podcasts. She's probably one of the first that. Li- this, you're laughing now because. It's true. Because her heart probably just sank, right? When she heard this.
3: Uh, Don't tell her we're
0: recording this. I won't tell her. Shout out. What store would she choose?
3: Ooh. That's a good one. Uh, I would say she would probably go with Sam's Club. Yeah. Because anytime she uh, has the opportunity for dad to say, hey, I need to fill up the truck, she always says, ooh. Take the Sam's Club card and go fill up the truck there. Yeah. Because it's going to be cheaper. What
0: are we talking about filling the truck with? Gas? Or? With gas. Yeah. Jason or would want to ride along with this. Bacon. And or whatever. Bacon. Or bacon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um,
3: but she would probably say there she can get all her shopping done in one and it's free. Okay. And the gas is going to be free too. Okay.
0: So, Kent, we want we want your mom to email us at podcast at cpyu.org and let us know what her favorite store is. So all right. We'll, we'll I'll hear make from sure her. she does it. Good. All right. Awesome. Hey, Jason, let's talk about what's yeah. trending out there in the world of youth culture right now. Oh, what we do you got, got? got
2: some good stuff. Yeah, so we got some good stuff. Well, the first one that I came across is just the, the, the difference that we now find with celebrities endorsing uh, shoes. Uh, historically, we've always had sports figures that have been the ones that, that we want to go emulate. Uh, specifically, I remember when I was younger, Jordans. Jordans were the shoe to have uh jordan clothing and still even now even after years of retirement he still has one of the most well-known brands uh, in the world Uh, that little logo the jumping man it's just still something that people want to be able to have and to emulate but uh adidas recently Uh, shifted some of their thinking nike's also followed suit with with uh using celebrities not sports figures to be able to endorse some of their um, own clothing lines Uh, adidas uh, asked kanye west if you uh, have been following this Uh, kanye west actually had a a shoe line that he released in limited supply Uh, there wasn't uh, they weren't really sure whether or not they were going to release others but they ended up uh, releasing a whole line now and they're actually going to have stores and and uh... other material beyond shoes so so clothing and and hats, all based upon the Kanye West brand. Uh, Nike has also done this with Kevin Hart and, and other celebrities. But I find it really interesting because I think we got to pay attention to to this new trend that's starting to take form. Uh, it was sports uh, celebrities that were the ones that uh, had a lot of influence on the clothing lines, and now we're actually seeing celebrities, uh, specifically those that are in social media quite a bit, that are now starting to step out and be the ones that we want to emulate. So there's a there's a change that we see in our culture with regards to what we're buying, how we're buying it, how we're consuming. And I just think that it's really important that we're paying attention to uh, what we're consuming, why we're consuming it. And I think it opens up doorways for some really important conversations around who it is we're trying to emulate.
0: Yeah. And and one of the surefire ways to sell things, marketers know this, is to add a celebrity, whoever the celebrity is. By the way, Um, Now that Kanye West is endorsing the Adidas shoes, the Adidas shoes speak up to all the other brands and say, Kanye West made you. (laughs) That's
2: right. You didn't get that, did you? (laughs) All right. Okay.
0: All right. Hey, here's one that's just a duh, no-brainer, but I think sometimes we need to have the evidence that comes out with the research to convince people who aren't willing to use common sense and listen anyway that this stuff actually happens and there's a connection. For years now we've been saying that if you really want to track with the trends in drug use among teenagers you need to uh, check in with the folks at Michigan State University and um, some of the things that they're doing, Uh, University of Michigan as well, Uh, some of the things that are coming out from the National Institutes of Health and, and others. They're talking about trends in teen substance abuse and here's A summary of a research study that came out just I'm just going to read this all right because this is kind of a duh but I think we need to realize that uh, parents need to wake up to what they're doing with their kids teenagers who have easy access to drugs and alcohol in the home are more likely to drink and do drugs in their early and late 20s (laughs) <laughs> That's the summary, all right? But, but then and research makes I know, and the research makes is the showing point. this, and there is a distinct link. I mean, it's common sense that there's a distinct link between alcohol and drug use by parents and providing these things for kids in the home, and then substance abuse by kids when they're teenagers, and then, of course, the link to continue that when they get older. And I don't know why we don't see this. I, it, it's it. We've talked about this before. It boggles my mind that there are parents that— supply these things to kids assuming they're going to do it anyway without setting up any moral borders and boundaries and when we know that some kids are genetically predisposed to alcoholism and drug addiction why it's like playing with fire why would we put these things you know into the lives of our kids so again we need to be very diligent we need to know what's out there that kids are abusing it seems like every year we have new drug options is whether it's street chemists with altering the chemical compositions of things to make them quote uh, unquote legal uh, until they're regulated or just with some of the new things that kids are experimenting with, um, we need to be aware of this and we need to to point our kids away from this and point them towards a substance-free lifestyle and again it's all a matter of trying to fill a hole in the soul. These kids are hungry for heaven, and we want to point them to the Redeemer.
2: That's right. Well, a lot of uh, of the conversation that we have on our podcast surrounds social media. I'm sure with our educators today, we'll talk some about it, but uh, the use of cell phones during concerts has been something that we've seen a huge increase in. I've written on it. You've written on it. Uh, I have been to multiple concerts in recent years, and it just seems like the art of enjoying a concert or enjoying an event is in many ways lost when you have your cell phone because you're more uh, apt to take it out to record hoping that you will remember that moment later on well uh, there are a lot of vendors that are now coming alongside artists and saying we want to help you take it back to its roots, enjoy the show for what it is. And so artists like Dave Chappelle, uh, Louis Louis C.K., Guns N' Roses, uh, others have started using a technology that uh, when you come to the concert, you actually have to place your phone inside a a cartridge that then can only be used if you step into a particular area that's been designed specifically for you to then uh, take the cartridge up against it's I'm assuming it would be something like at a, at a uh, store where you're you're buying some sort of electronics and it releases the phone from the case so that then you can uh, uh, take the phone call or respond to a text but it stops individuals from uh, utilizing their phone during these concerts uh, people like Beyonce uh, you even had a blog post recently uh, earlier this year uh, from Adele and just saying, hey, it's much better in the real world. And so there's technology like this that's starting to be formed that that is actually uh, helping maybe take the concert going experience back to its original intent to be there, to be present, to be able to enjoy. And I think that this provides opportunities, too, if you're a youth worker or a parent, the, 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 the boundaries that we should have around our phones and how we use them and how we engage uh, with those uh, events that we're partaking in. So I, I, I really appreciate uh, some of this technology because I think it goes back to allowing us to enjoy what we're there to enjoy anyways, Yeah. the concert.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, this is like when we were kids. we Dads would take movies and slides and pictures of our family vacation but we weren't we weren't locked in through the lens constantly you know now yes. anytime you go anywhere anything you do you've got to document it rather than just be present in the moment and enjoy it <laughs> well i wanted to bring up a a trending thing here that may, well many people may have missed but it was something that happened uh back in July that when I read about it, it it really struck me and made me stop and pause to think. And it's related to the Pope, and it's related to uh, the World World Youth Day. I don't know if you've heard of this, Jason, or not. It was held it's held every couple of years, and it was held uh, this year in Southern Poland. And they get tons and tons of kids. I guess um, about one one and a half million people, one and a half million kids, young people, at one of the final events that they had. You know, it's it's kind of a one of these outdoor festivals, I guess. And the kids come from all around the world, and the Pope challenges them. And, of course, he delivered lots and lots of messages. But something that he did when I read about this, because I was curious about what transpired, and that is that he actually went to Auschwitz, uh, the Nazi death camp, and Mm -hmm. paused there to just stop and pray. And one of the themes of his time at World Youth Day was talking about terrorism and asking the Lord to remove from us this this wave of terrorism and the way that so many people are being drawn to terrorism and just trying to stop this and it's interesting that not only did that happen at the end of July but at the beginning of July of this last summer and I don't know if you caught this but Elie Wiesel died. Uh, Wiesel was a uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner back in 1986 and he actually was a teenager in, an, in several Nazi death camps, and he's documented this. His whole life, in fact, as an educator, as a writer, as a thinker, hmm. it was dedicated to processing what happened to him in these death camps. And he really went through some difficult spiritual times, uh, wrote extensively in his, one of his first books, Night, a little short book that we recommend everybody read about his lack of belief in God, you know, that God died with him in the nazi death camp although he lived and i i just want to i wanted to bring this up because when the pope prayed there and and Elie wiesel died earlier in the month i decided to pick up the book his little book called night and read it again francis bacon once said that histories make men wise and i think mm-hmm. that we need to to know this history that is really not that long ago you know, that the Nazi death camps were liberated 11 years before I was born. And when I think of it that way, it was before my life in my lifetime. I still think, you know, that's ancient history. But the reality is 11 years, that's not that much time. I mean, now at my age, I'm seeing 11 years as being just a a blink. And this is modern history. And we need to realize that this is our sinful bent. And so I just want to challenge youth workers and parents to to not deny these realities, but talk about them and be aware of them, and, and prayerfully, as the Pope did, ask the Lord to intervene and and bring his peace mm-hmm. and, and his grace and his mercy. So
2: I thought I'd pass anyway. that on. Yeah, thank you. That's great. Well, as we get ready to start the school year, uh, I always uh, enjoy one particular list from Bellewitt College, uh, and it's a mindset list. Uh, I, I know that you and I have uh, shared this on social media in years past, but it's a good reminder for youth workers and parents to be aware of the mindset of college freshmen. So these are going to be individuals that come out uh, and graduate in the year 2020. Uh, but I uh, was going back and looking at the 2019 list because they hadn't quite uh, brought out the 2020 list. And it's just really interesting. It gives us a really good perspective on what's going on in the world around us. And uh, as, as students are heading out this year, it's, it's really good for us to remember. Last year's students, uh, some, some interesting uh, dynamics that we find within the lives of the students is that uh, many of them, uh, had never in their lifetime known uh, or were alive at the same time as Princess Diana, Notorious B.I.G., uh, uh, Cousteau, uh, and then Mother Teresa, which is, it seems like you wow. were just talking about the yeah. blink of an eye yeah. time, right? And and they, they never knew them. Now, the year that these students were born, if they were born in the year 1997, which would have been the 2019 list, 1998 for this year, uh, but last year, uh, Dolly the Sheep, Right, which was the the clone. Right. Uh, then also, uh, Michael Prince Jackson Jr., Michael Jackson's son. So, so much has changed. Here are just some of the things that have, that they they've seen uh, uh, on the planet since. Hybrid autom- automobiles have always been on the planet since their birth. Um, they've always been mass produced. Google has always been there, and its founding words to the world were to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible. And they have never licked a postage stamp. How crazy is that? I just feel like it was a few years ago that I would have to always lick postage stamps to put them on and then send them away, but that's just not been a reality for many of them. So, so I, the reason I, I share this is I just think that as we're talking about trends, their trends are always changing. <laughs> And we need to be aware of it. The reason we have this podcast, Youth Culture Matters, is to examine and look at what's happening in the world of youth culture, the sw- the soup that, that youth are living in. And so this is just but one more tool that I think that we can come to as practitioners, uh, as parents, and just be aware that the world they live in is different than the world we lived in. And it allows for – by us being aware of this, allows for us to have some really good interaction uh, yeah. with them and it.
0: And that list has been coming out every year for a long time. And I know here at CPYU, Chris posts that on our website every, every year when it comes out. And it's a, it's a good measuring stick for us just to see how much things have changed. And, and, and as it's done to do you and me, make us feel older, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> or old. Who knows? Well, you know what? <laughs> We've got uh, some educators coming on today. And I thought uh, a story that I heard from education, the world of education, which points to a, a trend with some difficulty – that educators face as they try to discipline punish respond to the types of things that are happening in the classroom you know I think that's one way education has changed and we're not necessarily going to talk about this today with the educators we're going to have on the podcast but the kinds of things that would get laughed off or your you know your parents would step in on and say now come on you shouldn't be doing that that's changed over time schools have really had to, to, to hunker down so you know, I here where we live, I mean I've heard stories of back in the day guys would pull into the during hunting season they'd pull into the school parking lot and they'd have their, their rifle and the gun rack in the back of the pickup truck and nobody would ever flinch. Now if you did that, you know, that's that's a that's you're gonna be expelled, you're gonna be prosecuted. Again, it's a different world. But this was this was an interesting follow up to something that happened back in May twenty eleven. There was a a seventh grader at a middle school in Albuquerque, New Mexico, who got in some trouble, he's he 13 years old, and he was in his classroom, and he was making the other students laugh by letting out these fake burps. And when, <laughs> when he was disrupting the class, of course the teacher asked him to leave the room, and, and who among us has not seen this happen at some, at some level in our school experience? So he goes out in the hallway, he sent out in the hallway by the teacher, where he continued burping and leaning into the entranceway, probably echoing, you know, in the big tile, tall-ceilinged halls. (laughs) And the other students would hear this. Well, that's when they called the school resource officer. Now, there's a new one. You know, police people in school. We didn't have that when we were kids. He comes down to the hallway where the boy is, and they wound up searching the kid, cuffing him, and he was charged with a misdemeanor. He he was uh, suspended for the rest of the school year. This was towards the end of the school year, May of 2011. Well, here's what happened. His mom filed suit against the school. They took the case all the way to a federal appeals court. And the the headline, I shouldn't laugh at this, but the headline says, Court Rules for Middle School and Officer in Teen's Burp Arrest. So they upheld (laughs) this whole thing. And, again, it's just, you know, you're going, boy, we make such a big deal out of little things. And, again, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened, you know. Who didn't hear a kid fake burp in school when they were growing up? And, and I'm imagining, Jason, that you did this a lot. But, you know <laughs> Thank what? Thank you. It's, I mean, it's really, and it's put our educators in a great dilemma. Now, we shouldn't laugh it off. This is a new world, and this is where yes. parents need to – two things. Parent, number one, parents need to step in and say, this is proper behavior, this is improper behavior. And if you do this, even though you think it's funny, you're going to get in trouble, so don't do it. And number two, when they do do it and they get in trouble and they're punished for it, I think that we need to step up and, in many ways, take... I know there are cases where this is not what to do. Support the teachers, support the educational establishment, and I know when we come back, we're going to broach that subject with the educators we're we're going to speak to. But this just, again, shows us it's a different world, and we're going to learn about this world when we come back. So when we come back, we're going to talk to a couple of our friends who are educators who have been in education for a long time. We'll let them introduce themselves. And then we're going to hear from them just how much youth culture has changed and what we as parents and youth workers can do to begin to respond and navigate uh, the school years. So stick with us. We'll be back in just a moment. Here at CPYU, we're taking steps to help parents, youth workers, educators, and anyone else who cares about kids, help the kids they know and love navigate the difficult issues of life. We've put together a one-day training seminar called Tackling the Tough Stuff that we can bring to your community. Over the course of the day, Mark Penner and I will provide information and practical steps you can take to address narcissism, pornography, Self-injury, depression, suicide, and a variety of other tough issues kids face in today's world. To learn more about bringing Tackling the Tough Stuff to your church or community, go to cpyu.org backslash toughstuff or call us at 1-800-807-CPYU. All right, welcome back, everybody, to this episode of Youth Culture Matters. I'm Walt Mueller, along with Jason Soschnick, and we have each brought a friend along today, uh, friends that have been involved for years in the world of public education. Jason, one of the things I tell youth workers all the time when I want them to learn about youth culture is I tell them that there are some great sources for information on youth culture. And the two sources that I cite the most are, one, longtime educators – and two counselors, longtime counselors. So we actually have two educators, one of who, one of whom is a counselor, uh, who have joined us today, and we're going to pick their brains a little bit about what they've seen, what they've heard, what some of their concerns are about kids today, about youth culture, and some of the the changes that we need to be aware of, and how we, as people in ministry and parents, can best engage. Uh, with the public schools and with administrators and teachers and others in the public school setting. So, Jason, do you want to go ahead and introduce Kara? Yeah, or yeah, have Kara sure. introduce well, herself?
2: I, uh, well, uh, go ahead. Well, I'll just set it up and then I'll let Kara take it away. But Kara Twining is a counselor at a local university high school that's here uh, in Spokane, or actually, it's in Spokane Valley. But she's been a longtime educator counselor for the last 22 years. Actually, started uh, with Youth for Christ. Uh, But I'll let Kara take it from there. I've come to really respect and enjoy the conversations I have with her, um, especially her knowledge both of students and technology and and what's actually happening in the world of youth culture. So, Kara, maybe share a little bit more about uh, who you are and what you've been up to, especially in the realm of education.
1: Yeah, I mean, like Jason said, I started um, about 22 years ago, and I've been in middle schools and high schools, and um, I've always been a youth worker at heart. So, I've always seen it as a place, an opportunity to be in the lives of kids. And uh, so much has changed since I began in 94 till today. And just really enjoy, um, I don't know, being in their world, I guess, even though it can be crazy.
0: Kara, really quick, you're in a high school now?
1: Yes, I work in high school now.
0: Yeah. How long were you in the middle school?
1: Um, Over the past 20 years, I've been in in a middle school for, for four years. Okay. So, not as much.
0: Yeah. You got out of there quick. That's a smart move. But I, I currently
1: have cool. three middle schoolers living in my home. Oh, so man. fully engrossed right now.
0: Okay. So you're a mom, too?
1: <laughs> that's correct.
0: Awesome. Good. And uh, I, I'm glad you're here, Kara. And then my friend who's here is uh, someone I've known. When did we meet, Barry? 1990. When did you come to Reed? 93. 93. 1993. Um, we had a back to school night at the Reams Elementary School in the Elizabethtown Area School District, Right. and they were it was being run by our brand new principal. And I was in the back of the room, and you were up front, um, moderating that meeting and introducing yourself. and And here's what I remember: you had said when you introduced yourself, you said, "I came from another school." Right. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I and and you never said what the other school was. Right. And I thought. Hmm this guy is, I, I'm going to, I want to find out more about this guy. So I talked to you later. Right. I found out where you were from and we had a great conversation and it wound up that the thing that we shared beyond just a love for kids was uh, love for Christ. Right. And so Barry became a friend and actually came on our board here yes, at yep. CPYU for several years, but yep, seven uh, years. So, so talk, talk a little bit about your background in education and how long and okay. where you've been doing your work.
4: Well, I th- I've been in public education for 31 years, and I was five years at a Christian school prior to coming over to public education, and I was working in a middle school setting in the Christian school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade science, math, and Bible. And then I came over to public education, and, and uh, I, I, through the transition, I became a, a school principal, and this is actually going to be my 24th year as a school principal, including the time at Reims yeah. and then the time that I was that I've been over at the, uh, at the school district yeah. and, uh, l- locally here. Yeah. So. All elementary. Except for the middle school uh, yeah. experience. but as a principal. Yes. Yeah, principal yeah. And elementary. Principal yeah. and elementary, and there have been radical changes yeah. to both the students and the way parents work and things that happen within the school setting. So. Yeah. yeah. So
0: this is good. We've got the full spectrum here of work in elementary schools, uh, middle schools, and high schools. So, so this will be good.
2: Uh, Barry, you mentioned uh, radical changes. Can you maybe list a couple of the changes that you've seen over the last few years and then maybe, Kara, if you can pick up on some of those or some other changes that you've seen. So I think this is a great place for us to start, especially in this podcast.
4: The, the, the number one thing I would say is the transition of support by parents. I saw an emerging change that was happening <clears throat> uh, in the early 80s uh, where parents were not as supportive. They started to become, they were supportive when I first came in, but as time went on, I saw them not being as supportive, particularly if you have a school of, let's say, 550 kids, and they all come from different backgrounds, and now they have to follow one set of rules. When that one set of rules, whatever, even though you publish it. When you put that out there and the rubber meets the road and their child is, doesn't follow the guidelines, you know, when I first came in, they were very supportive. You know, we, we need to make sure we need to fix this. But as time went on, there was less and less support for that. And, um, you know, more conversations, more heated conversations, conversations about what's acceptable behavior, what's not acceptable behavior. I'd say that that's number one. And, and the second thing I would say And and we talked a little bit about this, but the social media aspect has dramatically changed the way, even in elementary schools, uh, what you have to watch out for in terms of Mm. which kids are getting bullied, which kids are getting threatened. uh, And then the follow-up, how do you handle that? What are you gonna do with that information? Uh, What's legally the right thing to do? Those would be two big areas that that I would say. And then I would say number three is, the expectations of, of educators. The accountability piece that came as a result of No Child Left Behind is that uh, I expect that you're going to teach my child and I'm, I'm going to get that kind of results out of it of, regardless of what kind of background they came from, what kind of information they, they had or were exposed to, uh, even what abilities they had. Uh, the expectation that every child is going to succeed and you're going to make that happen. Those would be the
2: three big areas for me.
0: Would you now did, oh, go ahead, Jason?
2: Yeah. Go, well, well, the, I, I, I just question of uh, clarification, because uh, you said transition of uh, supportive parents, uh, acceptable, not acceptable. Would you uh, say that that there was a bumping? Up against what educators wanted to have happen in the classroom, and then what was actually happening in the home. So at one point there was a, a convergence of the two being uh, simultaneous simultaneously the the same, and but also uh, different uh, later on. So at one moment it was uh, very similar, uh, home school matched, and now and then it transitioned to it wasn't matching. Is that? Uh, what you would be saying in that? Yeah,
4: I mean, <clears throat> the idea that um, everybody's going to follow that same standard, and they the standard that they have in their home is different mm-hmm. than the one that you have at school. Uh, that's the that would be the big thing I would see uh, as a re- you know what you were mentioning with, with that. Would you
0: yeah. and it, just to follow up on that, would you say then that the standards at the home, from your perspective, are actually lower now than the standards at the school?
4: Yeah, and unfortunately. I think when you have parents that uh, are challenged in their own parenting, they, they don't really know how to parent, um, but yet what they say needs to be – we, we value parents. We want them to be engaged, and we want to teach them how to do that, but when they come with a lack of understanding about what it means to be a parent or how to parent, um, you know, there's, a, there's a huge gap between those two.
0: Landon, let me follow up on that real quick, and then I want to ask Kara the same question Jason asked yeah. you. Do you find, because I think we're seeing this, you know, from an educator's perspective, do you find then that parents, you're talking about the lack of parenting, do you find that parents are doing less parenting and more living vicariously through their kids? When yeah,
4: they? I know what you're talking about. Um, the parenting thing that I would hope that they would do would be what's acceptable behavior for little things, even like what's acceptable at the, at the t- table. Yeah. What's acceptable in society? What's acceptable in public? And then this idea of them living vicariously is interesting because whatever they didn't achieve, they want their kid to achieve. So their uh, behavior on the sidelines of oh. a sporting event becomes very poor because they want their their child to succeed it's not that they don't you know that they're looking at their bad behavior it's just that they they want to see their child succeed yeah. that bad that they're willing to act very foolish in public to, to yeah. have that happen
0: so so i remember when my kids were in your school yeah and uh, we would have field days every year <laughs> it, is that what you're talking about yeah, like even right. at a field day in a field day yeah Yeah. it gets Mm -hmm. crazy on the sidelines okay right yeah right right. i don't want to ask you to give us any specific stories on that but
4: yeah well i i I have to tell you one okay all right i I was i was i didn't ask i was a soccer referee when my girls were little i was a soccer referee and there were parents that obviously did not know what offsides were and when i called the offsides the parents on the sidelines started screaming at me now i'm a volunteer referee i'm a parent i'm volunteering the referee didn't show up i'm not being paid and now I—they're ha- calling into question the judgment of something that I had spent my entire life doing, and being offsides. They're, they're acting yeah. well—that <laughs> that too, all right. <laughs> so you get the—you get yeah. the idea that they're just yeah. totally out of line. Oh yeah. And it became very difficult to go on. We're talking about ten-year-olds and the way parents behave, and that
0: was twenty years ago. You're talking about so now it's much, much worse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, Kara, what about you? From from where you are as a counselor working with high school students, you know, Barry's with elementary school students, with high school students, how have you seen changes over the years?
1: Yeah, well, just kind of piggybacking on what he he's saying is true. Um, The change in the whole the family dynamic, how parents treat educators. Um, I don't know. I I always. I always have this conversation with other educators that I work with, but I feel like we're seeing the results of the Jerry Springer, Oprah generations, mm. where um, we were all told to fight for our for ourselves, and this selfishness thing happened. And this is what a good marriage looks like. This is what a good family looks like. This is these are successful kids, and it became this race of selfish pleasure. And um, so, when we have this. And then in that time, people turned against educators. Suddenly the conversation was, you know, everybody in the, all the teachers can't be fired. That means they're all horrible. Um, my kid's not meeting the standards with right. no child left behind. We couldn't meet those standards. So it had to be somebody's fault. Right. And that must be the schools because we're not producing that. Right. And then we became targeted. And I, I remember, my husband's an educator too. And I remember when that turn happened and I remember looking at him and going, we're gonna, they're, gonna, they're gonna try to sink us. I mean, they're going to try to just destroy schools because of these bars that have been set that, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. Who set those bars and why? Um, and, and that's what's happened. So there's this complete disrespect for educators. We, you know, we get paid nothing. That's the big conversation. And so these, these peasants that are going to the schools out of their own selfish desires, I guess, to mistreat children, have you know th- this is kind of the, what these parents come in with is that we don't want what's best for kids. When the reality is, you know, there's very few bad seeds. Those people are working there because they love the snot out of kids, right. and um, the turn in society for the selfishness and and getting myself to number one, getting my kids to number one at all costs is what is what you know what we're hearing here about. Um, what's happening with the change in how schools are treated and with the lack of respect for our rules, our bar, and um, our standards.
0: I, I want to ask you c- quickly, um, as a counselor over 22 years, how have you seen the weight shift, the balance shift, in terms of the type of issues that you're counseling students on? Has there been a shift?
1: Um. You know, it's funny, I really thought about this before when Jason first asked me to do this, like, what is the big change? And I really, um, the the biggest dynamic change for me is really not the heart of kids and what they're worried about. I could it's, it's the same stuff I talked about in the 90s with kids. It's the same topics. They're magnified now with the social media. Um, it's become very complicated. So you have social media happening, you have parents that are... Um, more and more, you know, involved in their self needs, and I, I hate to even say that because I've, you know, I'm in the parent world, but I think we are. This society has become so much more selfish, and then we have these kids that are on so many different platforms, and um, so their problems that are normal high school problems are magnified through different platforms.
0: When I when I was in high school, I remember the guidance counselor was basically. The function there was to help us transition from high school to college, make a college choice, prepare your college right. application. Is it reasonable to assume you're doing less of that and more of the behavioral interventions?
1: Um, we I, we do we do both, but I and I'm think I think it depends on your counselor too. I mean, counselors, every counselor kind of chooses how they want to spend their time. Um, and in our school, we have you know we have someone who's focused on the college transition. Um, I don't know if it's more, but again, it's magnified and I feel there's a selfishness in our kids that we've, you know, that has been passed on and everybody's problem and everybody's drama and everybody's concern is paramount to anything else happening, no matter what the teacher says, no matter what's going on in the classroom, that matters the most. Hmm.
4: There's a big diversity, um, because what Kara's talking about is that one, um, aspect of the population that wants their kids to succeed and does extremely pushes the kids, pushes them beyond their own capacity, uh, creating all kinds of anxiety and that sort of thing. And then you have another uh, demographic that are kids that have been and grown up in generational poverty and there is no motivating them to, they don't even see the value of school. So the idea that they're going to be a part of this, that they're going to enter into this idea that they're going to try to do the very best so that they can achieve. And if you have several generations of generational poverty that happen, then you, you, that's intrinsically – now it's a cultural thing, and, and it's so hard to overcome. And they have a complete other set of issues that are and, – and this is all within the public school setting. So it really that diversity, that real the the big changes there really create a bit of conflict for teachers and make it more difficult for um, for counselors, make it more difficult for. Uh, principals, even for teachers who have difficulty motivating their students, is that the
0: demographic of your school where your district sits, or where your, you know, the the, the section that y- your elementary school draws from? Is it well? Diverse I, when like I that? first
4: started, uh, we we talk in terms of how many students are part of our free and reduced lunch. The percentage when I first started there was five percent. Now it's twenty seven percent. Wow! So you could see the changes that happen. And not to say that every student's on free and reduced is you know, in generational poverty, but there are those students that are there, and to motivate those students is going to be very difficult. Yeah. And then you may have behavioral issues and academic issues, maybe a learning disability on top of it. It's almost impossible for them to, to feel confident that they're going, to, they're going to get out of that cycle. I just would love to hear from Kara if she sees that as well.
0: Yeah, and I and to follow up on that, Kara, yeah. you said um, you're at a university school, or that's the <laughs> name?
2: But university High School. Oh, that's okay.
0: Does school. that now, does, does that, that indicate mean, no. that, that it's all college prep, or is that just the name of the school?
1: It's just the name of the school
0: okay. after the name
4: of the street. <sighs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. So, 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 very, so, oh, go ahead, yeah, Jason. Go ahead.
2: So, well, no, Barry had a question.
4: I just said to Kara, are you seeing yeah. that same uh, demographic of people in your, in your yes. school?
1: Yeah, and I think it's even more divided than it used to be. Um, I talk about this a lot, too. I, we used to go into classrooms and do this presentation and show that if you invest this much in college, this is how much more you'll make in a lifetime. Right. And now everything is so colleges have gotten so much more expensive. That that sales pitch doesn't really work anymore, and so the line between the haves and the haves not have nots um, gets gets wider because you can't. It's hard to tell a kiddo that the kids are in poverty to say take out four thousand dollars to go to a community college, take that out in a loan, and I promise you'll get it back. Four thousand dollars to them is everything, <laughs> so that conversation is a lot more difficult now, and I think it's magnified what you're saying. The difference between you know, those that are in poverty and those that aren't, um, what their problems are and what their goals are and what they'll ultimately do, um, it's getting very, very specific to which side of the line you're on there. Hmm.
3: Wow.
4: The, the combination of those folks being together in a public school setting yeah. creates a tension. Um, it's yes. not like the racial tensions that we saw um, it, that we may be seeing currently or that we saw maybe back in the 60s, but it's definitely a tension that, that exists there
0: yeah so a a bigotry almost
4: yes yeah yeah there's a condescension from those elitists that said these kids are are nothing and so you might have uh targeting of kids you might have uh emerging bullying behavior that might occur as a result of that unless those students have been taught what it truly means to have character and um, that they understand empathy that they can uh, have some acceptance for a diversity of, of people it's, it's very difficult.
0: Yeah, and that was that was my I next comment I because I, I was going to say this is, you know, for the youth workers and the parents who are listening, for the Christian people, for Christian folks who are listening, th- this creates um, a teaching point. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a real need yeah. there that we teach uh, both by our words and our example what it means to reach out, care for, show Christ-like compassion and empathy to those who are different from ourselves. We don't look well, down don't, on them.
1: I'd like to add to that because I don't really, I mean, I, in our school, we have a good mix of, um, I think our free and reduced is, uh, 35%. There's a, there's a mix and I don't really see the free reduced and the kids with money going against each other. I mean, if anything, I see the kids in the similar, similar clicks, similar lunch tables going after each other. Mm. Um, I think when you're talking about teaching points to parents and youth workers, I think we need to. In my opinion, I'm, I think the word bullying has become overused, right. and we're kind of getting apathetic to what that is because it's become so large and it covers everything. I think we need to go back to saying, that's mean. You're being mean. And we need to teach what's mean and what's nice again. Um, the mm-hmm. moral code is being erased. So kids come in and they say, I'm being bullied online. And I always re- restate it saying, someone's being mean to you. What are they saying? You know, why are they being mean? Mm. And then we kind of can rephrase what's actually happening. That's, a, um,
0: that's interesting you use a, that word mean because when you describe the situation in the lunchroom, I'm thinking of the movie Mean Girls and that yeah. scene where they, yeah. you know, show all the different clicks and everything. Jason, you wanted to ask yeah. a question.
2: Well, I, I, I think that's a – I think there's quite a few teaching points within this. I, I think that what I would like to be able to do is just have us take a quick break. And, uh, and what we'll do is we'll come right back from that break and I think pick up on, on where Kara's going with some of this conversation with regards to some of the teaching points that I think are available to us. So let us just take a quick break and then we'll come right back and dive right back into this great conversation.
0: Here at the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, we wanna help you stay up to date on today's youth culture. One of the tools we've developed to keep you current is our weekly Youth Culture eUpdate. Delivered to you by email, our Youth Culture eUpdate comes to you in a format that allows you to easily scroll through and quickly choose those stories and resources that will be most helpful to you in your particular setting. To sign up for this free resource, go to our website at cpyu.org, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and enter your email address in the tab marked eUpdate Sign Up.
2: It's that simple. Welcome back to Youth Culture Matters. We're going to take a quick moment with Kara and Barry and do a little thing that we like to call Take 5, where we ask questions of our guests, and it just allows for you, the listener, to get to know our guests a little bit better. And so, uh, Barry, Kara, I don't want you to be worried about this. This is going to be uh, some fun that we have. Uh, hopefully, there'll be able to be uh, questions that you can answer off the cuff, but you uh, yeah, we like to have fun with these. So are, are the two of you okay with us asking some of these questions? I guess you don't know At- until you find out what they are. Yeah, if you say no, it doesn't matter. So yeah. you might want to say, just say yes. Yeah. yes. We're just trying to probe okay, you. Good. All right, good. Okay, here's the first one. If you had to live off of one fruit or vegetable for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Apples
4: because it probably has good nutrition.
2: Oh, there's a teacher's answer. says the educator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so
1: all right. Um, I'd probably pick the banana because I don't really have a good reason. Didn't they used to call it the world's most perfect food or something on their commercials?
2: I, I, I thought that was hosted. I didn't 20. even know bananas <laughs> had commercials. I thought <laughs> <laughs> well, that was world's most perfect food. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. We'll, we'll go with that. Okay, Here, next question. What is one song or movie you're embarrassed to admit that you like or love? Sound of Ooh, music. I got it. I got it. Sound of Music. Sound of Music? Yeah. Can you can you sing a little bit from Sound of Music? Oh, boy.
4: <laughs> well, if I get rid of this fog, frog out of my throat, maybe I could.
2: Oh, okay. All Good right. Good answer. All right. Way to deflect. Uh, yeah, way to deflect. Let Kara go first, <laughs> why, don't right? you
4: like, why don't you like that? Well, why would I be embarrassed? Yeah, yeah. It's because okay. it's so cheesy. Okay. You know, it's just so 40s. Okay. And and the fact that I just cry every time I see it. You know, oh, why, yeah. Why, yeah. Okay. Well, I get I, it now. Why yeah. would I be oh, that emotional
2: okay. over something yeah. like that? Yeah. <laughs> That's homeward bound for me. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Milo and Otis. All right. Kara. Uh, Kara. Uh,
1: well, recently um, I <laughs> kind of picked up the jam of Marilyn Manson's Tainted Love. <laughs>
0: Oh, his cover. Jason knows me a little bit.
1: I'm not your typical Marilyn Manson look. Look, so you can't see me, but that is definitely a song that I have been into, and it's probably definitely a a guilty pleasure.
2: Really? So you're you're not into Soft Cells' Tainted Love. You actually like Marilyn Manson's version of Tainted Love. Oh, kills
1: Soft Cells. kills.
2: Really? Because that... Tainted Love, the soft cell <laughs> version, just drives me absolutely nuts because I feel like that has been on replay most of my life. But mm-hmm. okay, so Tainted Love by Marilyn Manson. Now I'm going to have to go check it out. I'm sure most of our listening audience.
0: Kara doesn't as know well. this, but I'm a bit of a <clears throat> Marilyn Manson aficionado. Oh.
1: You don't know yeah, that either, know that- do
0: you? You don't know that either, do you, Jason? That was well. That I was, knew that. I mean, I don't. I didn't know that you like listened no, to him in your car No, years ago. I had about driving to and in the from late nineties. I had about two years of just uh, apps, absol- or two years, two two months of absolute immersion in his music right. for a project I, that I was working that. on. Yeah, and it was uh, yeah. So I know all about that. I remember when uh, the beautiful people got stuck in my head.
2: Twenty four seven was horrible. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> wow. Question three. Right. Okay, question three. So. The Summer Olympics just happened. What would be one sport you would most likely or most like to participate in if you had the choice?
4: I would love to be...
0: Say synchronized swimming, Barry.
4: <laughs> a wrestler, because oh. that was my background. I I actually uh, was able to... I uh, placed in the nation, and um, I would be thrilled if i could ever have been able to be an olympian so
1: yeah i think every girl wants to be a gymnast so i'd definitely be on the gymnastics team
2: oh okay any particular sport within gymnastics or any particular apparatus apparatus
0: or event yeah
1: um i like the vault because they just look hardcore running down to it that's nice
2: yeah, I d I don't think I they, they look more like they are in a hardcore sprint than I think some of the sprinters do in the hundred meter dash. Like they <laughs> yeah. just got this they, like face. And oh. then throw
1: their bodies in the air.
2: Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. Well Walt's a little bit disappointed that Barry didn't say synchronized swimming because he was looking for a partner because he's getting ready to start that. So <laughs> <laughs> be good at That's that, okay. Man. We'll we'll work on that Walt. Yeah. All right. So the set the the, the fourth question. Uh I am not sure about elementary schools, but most schools have a fight song. Do you either one know the fight song for your school or your alma mater? And if so, you've got to give a portion of it. Oh, no.
1: Well, well, that makes you want yeah, to say I knew, no. I
2: knew there was a no
4: coming here. <laughs> <aren't it? laughs>
1: I know mine. do you know yours? Went to the high school that I worked at. Yeah, I went to the yeah? high school, so I know it. Yeah. How did it go? Came a team. Give a give north. a little
2: version, not the whole thing, just a little portion.
1: <laughs> Came a team from the north, brave and bold, bearing banners of crimson and gold. The Titans, the mighty Titans. And that's wow. No, all. Wow. Really right, good
2: up. job. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Barry, your turn.
4: I I really don't remember, although um
0: he's a wrestler he doesn't remember much that's right
4: we're just (laughs) we're we're just bulky wrestlers without any brains All okay
2: all right excellent okay last one the funniest moment you've had as an educator what is the funniest moment that you've ever had as an educator
1: Well, we're on summer breaks, so everything gets erased.
0: Uh, that's You know what? And that's probably right. I, you just I, want to forget.
4: Walt remember, reminded me of one very, very funny uh, moment as an educator earlier today <laughs> when his incoming son.
0: Right. Not even in kindergarten Not yet, even in Nate.
4: kindergarten. Pulled the fire alarm. As he was registering for kindergarten, and I, everybody had to. Well, you way. know, actually,
0: it's not, Actually, what happened was <laughs> no, it was they, was they was had funky. just com- you had just completed, the renovation of the school, That's right. and it was an open house in the evening for the entire community, yeah. and everyone's in there in the classrooms. I'm out in the hallway with Barry, and we see Nate walk down the hall <laughs> and just in slow motion, reach and pull that pull that alarm. That so, was a very yeah, amusing moment. Yeah, which uh, we reminded him of that last night. I told him, hey, we're having Mr. Ferguson on today. You remember
2: when you did? Yeah. That oh, is man. excellent. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And Kara, I- you, you don't remember
1: there's so Don't many. I mean, I think Barry would agree with me. Every day at school in the office, you can stand there and you just wish you had a camera because you can't, no one would believe it if you told them what was going yeah. on every day. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I can't <laughs> really think of a specific story right now, but there's many, I'm sure.
0: You know, I, we were talking on another podcast about this word uh, schadenfreude, which is a German word for taking great delight in other people's heartache and misery. <laughs> and um, can I tell a story real quick, Jason, because this happened to me yeah, last fall. Yeah, go for it. I want to So hear this, I'm at a yeah. Christian school in Massachusetts and i'm just working all day and and uh, talking to students i'm in their in their classrooms we're doing seminars and and uh, chapels and things like that and i had like a one they gave me one period during the day when i could just so i go into the faculty lounge this is at a christian school and there's an art teacher in there she's just in there we're having a conversation and she's over doing something on a laminator or something and Uh, a math teacher who is on a break because his class he's got a break there for that period he walks in and he says something to her about hey did you have a problem with that printer working last week did we ever get it working and she's not paying attention to him at all but i'm looking directly at him and uh, he's a younger guy and his zipper is completely down (laughs) so I, i point i'm going i'm pointing at him without her seeing and i'm saying you know your zipper your zipper And he looks down just as she turns and looks at him, and he pulls it up. And with a red face, he goes, well, that will explain my entire last period class. (laughs) (laughs) So he had been with a middle school math class, and I guess uh, they didn't learn any math. They were just totally, you know, wiped out over this. He had no clue what they were talking about, what they were laughing about. But I just thought that poor man, you know, (laughs) there you go. That's it's always with a zipper isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> embarrassing moment anyway boy I just wasted time there didn't I
2: no you're doing okay, great. great well okay. well I know that you uh, during our break we, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the teaching points and yeah maybe uh, you start with one of the yeah questions let's that
0: let's let's do this in the in the time that we have left let's talk a little bit about some of the changes specifically related to social media and I want to ask this question first Um it, Let's start with Kara, because you're at the high school level, and I think we all know what the answer to this probably is, but what, Kara, what percentage of your students uh, at your high school there would you say show up at school with a smart their own smartphone with 24-7 Internet access? Um, well, I, yeah, 80%, 90%. Yeah, and they're engaged. You had mentioned that they're living uh, – you know, half their, half their life, 50% of their life online or engaged with a screen of some sort.
1: Yeah, that's an, uh, a stat from, I believe 2014 actually, that 50% of teens report that half of their real lives are online, half of their real lives.
0: Yeah, and, and we can estimate now that's just two years ago, but with the way changes are taking place in the development of technology and more kids having access to this stuff, that that number would actually be higher now. Barry, let me ask you this because uh, this is interesting, and and I've asked elementary school principals this a lot, and I am, I'm not stunned anymore by the answer. The first couple times I heard it, I was, but so you've got K through five, right? What percentage of your students have their own cell phone uh, with internet access? Would you say?
4: Well, I was thinking a little bit about this. I would, it, you know, your first, the first. Uh, idea would be 70%, but I think about that's probably 70% from third through fifth. Okay. I'm probably a little bit less in the in the primary grades, but almost every kid has some sort of device. Yeah. You know, whether or not parents allow them to bring it or not, but a lot of kids are tied to their devices anytime, you know, and we think about third grade. You're talking about eight-year-olds. Yeah. Eight-year-olds with devices that they bring them to school and that's attached to them. And
0: yeah, so and, like. and we've mentioned a stat that came out at the end of last year, uh, one survey found that I think it was uh, 53% of kids have their own uh, smartphone by the time they reach their seventh birthday. Yeah. So that would line up. That yeah. would line up with what you're seeing. And over the years, you've seen not only more of that, but right. at younger and younger ages, right. more age compression down. Right. Yeah. I would Say that's true. Yeah. yeah. So, so understanding that, then, Kerry, you had during the break, we we got talking to you a little bit about this. You. Uh, talked about some of your conversations with students and having to differentiate between being famous and being infamous. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that plays right into this um, age of technology and more and more kids being engaged with technology at a greater and greater amount.
1: Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, just developmentally, teenagers are looking for validation and approval. And then here came social media with buttons that actually give that to you. So, if you do something that's entertaining or um, pleasing or cute or whatever, you will get instant validation in a number. You'll see 500 people like that, 100 people liked it, whatever. Um, From there, if they get over a certain number, they feel famous and they will literally tell you, I'm famous on Instagram right now. And I have several times because The kids that say that may be famous for a fight they had on instagram or facebook or twitter and so i'll say you mean you're infamous and they always look at me not knowing what i'm saying they do not know the word infamous and so then i explain that that that's being known for something that isn't that great and um, i i feel more and more that kids don't care what they're known for as long as they're known so there is no more infamous. It's just famous because I am known. And it could be known for saying something really mean or it could be known for doing something really awesome.
0: And and that's one of the signs, you know, we talk about narcissism here a lot. That's one of the signs of a narcissist that it's not necessarily that you have to look up to me or you have to admire me because of my character. You just have to look at know me. Know me. Yeah. Know no me. No matter what. Yeah. And they when, want to know them yeah, when you say when you said that about you know doing something and then capturing on camera, now we're actually doing things, you know, engaging in activities, engaging in relationships, and maybe even getting into fights or you know having these these uh, crazy moments we we actually stage them so that we can yes. then record them and put them up there and get the following.
1: Yes, yeah. Um, Absolutely. I think um, kids are constantly pushing the envelope in what they're doing and where they're going and who they're doing it with to get that video or picture to post.
0: What does that look like on the high school campus in terms of uh, student drama? You know, in in any interactions? (laughs) I mean, how has that changed the landscape?
1: Oh, it's it's insane. I mean, it's just it is. if, there's there's a generational gap though. So for teachers and educators, we're all at this different place in the world of social media. So we see it happen and we think, oh my gosh, I mean, that's such a big deal. Kids, interestingly, we're at the group of kids now that have had technology since they were little. Um, and things that we see as bigger drama isn't so much a big drama. So it's this really, we're in a really weird situation here. Something viral can become a big deal in a school But not everything viral will become a big deal in a school. Um, For example, we had a Twitter situation last year where someone created a page that was made to just um, ruin people at the high school. And it would name people, and it was a, uh, what is that, a poll page. So you would vote. So ugliest person, let's say. And they'd have names of kids at the high school. And whoever got the most votes, you know, everybody talked about. And there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of polls kids could take with our students' names on it. And as adults, we were all cringing and going, "Oh my gosh, this has to stop! Turn it off! Turn it off! Turn it off!" As you talk to some of the individual kids on some of the worst polls, they didn't think it was that big of a deal. They, you know, they got they got a hundred vo- votes on that one. So people know who they are, attention. even though the,
0: they got the attention. The yeah.
1: the question mm. was horrific, yeah. and me saying "ugly person." is very mild they were very rated r questions hmm. that kids are pulled on and they most of them didn't care some did but most didn't
0: barry how have you seen social media and technology play into the lives of your students k through five you know what what are some
4: i would never ever have envisioned when i started that we have kids fifth graders that wouldn't want to live because of things that were being written about them online yeah Uh, Whether it's a you know Instagram page or you know Twitter uh, you know some of the things that kids bring to me one of the things as a as a principle that I have to worry about is anything that interferes with the educational process well yeah if you've got kids that are there that aren't thinking about anything else but what their peers are thinking about them or whether or not they really want to live as a result of that that's huge that's a huge change. And so n- now I am having to address things and try to fix things, situations that were n- wouldn't even have been problems. So that would be the biggest thing that I would say um, has been a result of, of what's happened with social media.
2: Mm. Wow. What would you say for parents that are listening to this podcast and uh, you have these students that are using social media what would be some words of advice as an educator to a parent that you would share with them with regards to the use uh, of this technology?
4: Well, I would say as a, for elementary, parents of elementary kids, first of all, you think, I know your kids are telling you, don't intrude, mm-hmm. but there's, uh, you you really have to, these are, these are children that have not an inkling of moral what their morals are supposed to be these are still teachable moments so you have to look at these as these are teachable moments I, I, I would say the second thing is once you know about that don't be afraid to report uh, I know of too many situations where uh, social media has ended up in with tragic consequences and you know one of the things we don't want to have happen is we don't want to have kids become a target that ends up thinking that their life is worthless. Now Kara has to do extra work in trying to rebuild uh, what students feel about themselves, what children feel about themselves in a, in a middle school or in a high school situation. So that would be the second thing. And the third thing is talk to them about what's proper etiquette for social media. And that means you're going to have to be you're going to have to be engaged you're going to have to be embedded you're going to have to figure out what some of the current things are as educators we have to be knowledgeable about and there are a lot of parents unfortunately as karen already mentioned this gap has already happened parents know so uh, little about what their children are actually being um, exposed to what they're being involved with and even as the hidden pages the things that kids uh, do uh, you have to monitor Hmm. Yeah.
1: I think it's really important Kara, that you do start in the elementary school. Is that? I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Jason?
2: No, no, no I go. I was just wanting to hear. So your thoughts.
1: in the elementary school, I think you know with social media, I, I talk to lots of parents about this. I um, often, and it's really important that when you start teaching your children to brush their teeth, you have conversations about technology and social media. You start having mm-hmm. conversations, just like you're training them up in other ways, how to sit at the dining room table, how to communicate online. As elementary kiddos, there's some great sites that teach manners and basics, like Disney has Club Penguin. You know, if you say the B-U-T-T word on that, they kick you off the Iceland there. Mm -hmm. Um, There are sites for kids that train them in how to behave in social media when they're young. And, you know, like Barry's saying, the parents have to be alongside them. When they get their first Instagram account, I'm all about getting it while they're in a small pond. Get it when they're in the fifth grade because you know what? Your kiddo's going to talk to you about that in the fifth grade. And you can look at it together and go, who liked this? And, oh, did that hurt your feelings? Let's talk about that. Get your Mm -hmm. kid's email. If you know your kid's email and their access early, you will always see what apps they're downloading because they will use their email and all their notifications will go to that email. Mm -hmm. Get it when they're early, when they don't care. Um, I mean, all these things have to start early, just like we do with every other manners or life lessons that we're teaching our kids.
2: That's great. That's great. Excellent. Good advice. Kara, I want to I even pick up on something that you had mentioned earlier, but then you, you mentioned here with regards to education. You know, you were saying that you there were these polls that, that students were becoming popular even though they were negative. Um, I'm just curious how you would address that with a parent. If a parent were to find this out, they're they're being uh, good. They're doing their due diligence and, and following what's happening online, specifically with their um, son or daughter. And then they, as a parent, come across this poll. Um, yeah. What what are what are some thoughts that you would give to that parent that or even youth worker that comes across this, or even the educator that sees this? How w- you know what would be some helpful responses, uh, or responses that you've even given to some of these students, even though they're saying, "No, I'm, 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 I'm being known for this," yet it's not for the thing that any of us would want for them to be known for.
1: Well, I think what I have, what I have found time and time again, the most valuable thing that we can have is an open dialogue with our kids about it and I think as educators, as youth workers, as parents, if your kid, which what I saw at my high school, I had students come in and say, Twining, have you seen this page? And they just started showing me it. And they started showing me everything that was on it. That to me is the relationship that you need with the kids you work with, with the kids in your house. Um, you need, they need to be able to share it with you without you going, oh my gosh, and throwing phones across the room. We have to be able to sit down with our kids and see it. And then you have a – and then it's just a continued conversation. You know, well, that is horrible. That's disgusting. That's really mean. Again, they're still children. They need a moral code. They need to know right from wrong. And it's just more teachable moments when they're in this world. And they may not at the time go, oh, that comment about that girl, that's not that big a deal. Until an adult steps up, which I'm constantly preaching, the adults have got to step up and say, no, 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 no that's really gross and that's really mean. And then the kids go, oh yeah, maybe it is. We're still the adults in their world. And so number one, you need to be sure that you have access to their world by allowing them to talk to you about it.
0: Hmm. This is all this is all great advice. I want to turn the corner and start to wind things up a little bit. And Before I ask the two of you about some resources you might suggest, I want to throw uh, two questions at you to, um, to both of you and have you answer um the first is this you have and you've sort of alluded to this a little bit but you have a captive audience of all the parents you have a captive audience and you have the freedom to say anything you want to say and they will listen what are you going to say to them barry
4: i think the first thing i say is limit the amount of time that your kids are on the devices and you you may I, i'm not one of these folks that want to put their head in the sand but i uh, because the kids are going to get that exposure, um, but on the other hand, as Kara had said, that time that they are on, make sure that you're engaged with that, and and that you know. The other thing is, I, I would say, y- you, you know, we talk about this uh, coming alongside the kids and and helping them to think through. They create um, a moral schema by their parents engaging with them and talking with them about that um, as they're as they're going along from throughout the day and I would say make sure you're having those good conversations sometimes uh, parents take the lazy route you know they're on their own devices rather than you know actually spending the time you know I got to get off my device and help my child become um, a more savvy social media person and you know I can't, you know, you can't legislate spirituality, but I would say that parents should pray for and with their kids about giving them wisdom about knowing how to handle uh, the situations because many of the situations that we're encountering right now are going to be different situations two, three, four years from now because the speed of technology is changing so rapidly. Mm. That would be what I would love to see parents do. Good. Kara?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. I, I could really preach on this. I, my, my comment to a group of parents would be very clearly that you have a moment with your child. This is time is going to pass. You're going to lose sleep. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to want to go out with your friends instead. But you have got to focus in. You've got to zero in. You've got to be all about these kids. And you got to love the snot out of them every day, no matter what, and talk to them about everything all the time, no matter what the topic, mm. um, whether it's, you know, get what you think is right and wrong. You have to have those conversations and stay in the game, stay in the game all the way to the end. Mm. Um, don't give up just cause they turned 18 years old. Uh, Dylan Klebold was 18 years old, uh, you know, from the Columbine. You have to, you have to stay in the game.
0: That's great advice. All right, one more question for you here. Um, Youth workers. You've now got youth workers as an audience. And as I said at the beginning, I think you guys are a great resource to, to those of us who are youth workers because you can give us a perspective that we don't have. You're with kids numerous hours a day, several days a week for nine to 10 months out of the year. You've got a captive audience of youth workers. What do you want to say to them about about their role. Give them something to take away from this that would, would would give them some marching orders, perhaps.
1: I know what I would say.
0: Yeah, go ahead, Kara. Um,
1: there's a lot of places in the world where they get hugs and high fives and trophies for not doing much. They need Jesus. Mm. So when you get that moment and you have that freedom to preach it, because a lot of us don't, Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the word of God, because there are very few places in their lives that will speak to that. In fact, most places will speak against it. Mm-hmm. So if you're fortunate enough to have a job where you're in youth ministry, just do do go forth fearlessly and speak it.
4: Mm. Yeah, I would just, uh, that was actually what, what I was going to say, that if you're a youth worker, you're a purveyor of the gospel. And they aren't going to get that anywhere else. So the gospel yeah. speaks uh, volumes to bringing uh, peace, comfort, understanding, wisdom, uh, knowledge about how to handle uh, adult situations and, and, and life. I mean, even uh, the fact that we have so many issues right now uh, with re- regard to I mean, the landscape is changing huge way with it with regard to gender and uh, where are they going to find what those are and how how is it you are going to teach them how to be loving and caring? Um, in Without in in the absence of the gospel so teach them what the gospel means and be the hands and feet of Christ in their lives Give them the opportunity to see what that looks like
1: hmm. a lot a lot of ministries have gone soft on that yeah. they are too worried about being the kids friends, and yep. I'm all about earning the right to be heard yeah, but um man i mean you, you got to do you got to do what you're called to do there yeah. and these relationship ministries that don't you know that are that are not uh, fearlessly going forth with the word of god are really missing an opportunity yeah
0: carrie you when you said that you got uh five five of us shaking our heads right. yes so we fully yeah. agree with that and and i think it, look kids are so needy you just enter into their lives and care for them and love them and speak the truth. You know, one thing that keeps coming back from what you've all said here in the last couple of minutes is just that whole that whole imperative in Deuteronomy 6. That's you right. know, to be constantly talking about these things, living these things and parents, you you've got to embrace this as well. It's it's about parenting, guiding, directing. It's not about being a friend living vicariously through your kids it's um you know not about letting your kids make you look good on social media we're destroying our kids by doing that and and i think we're going to see the fruit of that as barry says two three years down the road the landscape's going to change and i think a lot of the changes the the fault will be pointed back to us because we're planting seeds now that are going to bear it's going to bear some pretty ugly fruit so um this this is really good well i'm going to Ask the two of you, as we always do, for uh, if there's any resources you might suggest a book to read, a website to visit, something that would be helpful. Maybe it has to do with education, maybe not. Maybe it's just something in your own personal life that you found helpful recently. Before I do that, I'll just mention that um, as we talk about social media here, Jason knows this as well our Digital Kids Initiative. We have a huge site that we've put lots of uh, information. We're constantly feeding that. There's things to watch, parents, youth workers. There's things to listen to, and there are lots of handouts and information pieces that you can download and pass on uh, to parents. If you're in youth ministry, it's there for you, and everything on there is free. So we'll include a link to that, our Digital Kids Initiative. But let me let me go to YouTube. Back to YouTube, and maybe Jason, you have something. Um, you know, resource-wise, that's been prompted in your mind as well here uh, that we could point people to. But uh, let's start with Kara. Kara, is there anything that you can recommend, or
1: yeah, there's a website called to- Safe Safe Smart Social um, that is a good resource for everything we've been talking about about social media. Um, and then I also always refer parents to
0: CommonSenseMedia.org. Great organization, Common Sense Media. Good. My Baron? kids
1: before they download an app do the research on common sense and tell me what it says.
0: <laughs> okay. Good. Good. Yeah, that's good.
4: Barry, I, I'm I'm a little more traditional in in what I recommend to parents. Uh, one thing I think uh, Karen and I both mentioned is, uh, d- don't don't be asleep at the switch, and a lot of parents don't know how to be intentional about things, and one of the things I think is you build into your lives those intentional. Opportunities, as well as just talking about them as you're in the way. You mentioned uh, the passage in Deuteronomy. And this is going to sound a little odd, but somehow I think there's um, the seven habits for kids and seven habits for adults. You, you learn a lifestyle of how to engage your kids and be intentional, be proactive, begin with the end in mind. What is it you want your kids to become? And as a parent, if you can do that and build that into that kind of, that kind of, um, uh, as you're going along, I think it makes it, I think it makes a huge difference. Uh, Stephen Covey is yeah, that? Uh, Stephen yeah, Stephen Covey. Yeah, and okay. there's a whole thing right now, Leader in Me. Schools are using Leader in Me. There's a which is a which is built on that, um, and it creates this idea of students being able to, and you're helping your kids to be able to know who they can become. You have a, a method. You have a, a way to do that. And that's not social media kind of thing, you know, CARE's, you know, right on with the with those websites, but I just think as a parent, as a youth worker, be intentional with that.
2: Mm.
0: Jason, anything you can think of?
2: Yeah, well, I, I just wanna reiterate a couple that we've already said, because I think that um, uh, both common sense and then safe, smart, social are great. Uh, I also just would say cpyu.org is one that we've not mentioned, but obviously, most of our listeners are gonna be familiar with. Uh, And then that will lead them directly to the Digital Kids Mm -hmm. Initiative because there's been a lot of work that's gone into uh, uh, research and data that allows for parents and youth workers to be knowledgeable of what's going on. So I would just reiterate each of those as as definite places to check out.
0: Yeah, Barry and Kara have prompted for me just thinking about being being a good parent. There's three books that we recommend here. We'll include links to them. You can get them through our resource center. Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, uh, talks about the heart. It's not just behavioral conformity that we're driving at. We want to see good behavior come out of a desire to bring honor and glory to God—a changed heart, a heart that's changed by the gospel. His brother, uh, Paul Tripp, has a great book called Age of Opportunity: uh, Biblical Guide to Parenting Teens. That's one of my favorite books because he's vulnerable, he's realistic, he's been there, he's been through it, and and I love what he writes about. And then. Uh, for moms, and and I recommend dads read this as well. Uh, Leslie Leyland Fields has written a great book called Parenting is Your Highest Calling and Eight Other Myths That Trap Us in Worry and Guilt. And I love the way that Leslie takes a lot of the pressure off of us and um, just a good, solid, biblical approach to being a mom, to being a dad. So we recommend all those. And, and as always, we'll include links to these, everything that's mentioned here. I, I want to say... Thanks uh, to Kara. I didn't know you before this, Kara, and I look forward to having more time talking with you on future podcasts. Thanks for doing what you do, and for transitioning out of youth ministry into education and counseling. I love. I picked up on it. You know, the kids call you by your last name, um, Twining. Have you seen this? I love that. Um, so I, I really appreciate you uh, you being with us today, and for Jason making the connect, Ferguson. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, too. I haven't seen you for a while, and uh, since you moved out of our school district almost 20 years ago and really ticked me off because you <laughs> left, um, I'm so happy about what what you've been doing elsewhere. So, uh, Kara Twining and Barry Ferguson, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. And, Jason, thanks so much again for co-hosting, and we will look forward to being with you again very soon on the next episode of Youth Culture Matters
1: thanks for joining us for youth culture matters a podcast from the center for parent youth understanding if you'd like to learn more about today's youth culture visit our website at cpyu.org and if you have any questions
2: comments or feedback email us at podcast at cpyu.org